Welcome to today's episode of Encounter with God Together. We're back with my friend Dennis Bryce, a church planter and pastor who is currently living in Lisbon for several months, uh, taking an interim pastor position. Dennis, it's great to have you back this week again. Well, it's great to be back chatting and following up on what we said last week. Yeah, last week, if if you didn't have a chance to check it out, um, Dennis started us off in Mark last week, one of his favorite uh, gospels, and you can hear his enthusiasm come through in, in uh, last week's episode, as I'm sure you will again this week. So Dennis, uh, thanks again for joining us um, from your, what's your evening and my morning, and I, um, I'm going to pray for you that, that God will give you words for this, this week. Great. Father, I do pray for Dennis. I thank you for um, his love of your word and especially his zeal for this particular book and the way that Mark comes alive uh, to his heart and mind. And I pray that he'll be able to convey some of that to us this week and that you will speak to us by your spirit as we engage your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, so we're off to chapter two in this action pact. I, I titled your the audio version of this episode, which you can get on Apple or Google or wherever you get your podcasts. I titled it The Action Pact Gospel of Mark. I hope you don't mind that title, Dennis, but uh, that's okay. Yeah. So are we still in action mode in chapter two? Well, it it is interesting, and maybe I'll refer to that a little bit later. Um, but instead of just saying something, I've actually been reading ahead and reading backwards and seeing lots of new things. And it's rather funny because I go to bed and my wife sleeps in the same bed as me. And, you know, in the middle of the night, I wake up thinking about or seeing something that I've heard or read in Mark's gospel. And I get up very quietly and my wife stirs and said, what are you up to? And I say, oh, I'm just jotting some things down. And she says, oh, you must be sleeping with Mark again. <laughs> and that's exactly true. I just get woken up and my mind is just full of uh, the wonders that are in this gospel. And so I don't know if people have been uh, using marker pens or highlighters, but uh, I, I have been. And it's just interesting to see the repetitions that Mark has. And really, to make the most of that, you need to be in party mode, i.e. in community with other people saying, did you see that? Yes. Well, what do you make of that? I saw that too. And it's like light bulbs going on in people's head. Yeah. Um, You've been uh, doing a little bit of that by text this week, which has been fun. It's, it is actually amazing. And I encourage people to do that uh, because you might not be able to go out, but Mark is a good party book to share and discover with. Um, I also suggested last week, and I guess no one did it because it's a bit of an effort, that we uh, print it out. Uh, and you can use various ways to print it out. And then I realized that uh, by the end of last week, we would have got about eight pages. And by the time we finished, that would be 12 pages. So we've gone from the tabletop to the floor. And <laughs> You might laugh at that, but actually it's very interesting to then draw lines and connections. It's like one of those uh, detective stories on the TV. You know, they have a, a board where they put people's pictures and then have cotton or 
string from one place to the next to help them think. And Mark really lends itself to that. So I think uh, we need a photo of your uh, of your detective work there, Dennis. I should have done, shouldn't I? Yeah. Oh well. Uh, but it's rather funny because uh, being in a city, I we we can go and visit art shows or, or a museum, and you can go to a painting, and instead of looking at a picture, say on the screen here, you can actually get your nose right up close. Well, maybe about 24 inches, and you can see the paint brush strokes or the pinpoints of pointillism or whatever it's called. I think Cezanne was quite a good person with that. But, you know, uh, Vincent van Gogh uh, is a great person using that with his uh, the haystack. Yeah. So you can zoom in and then you can step back and zoom out. And it's amazing what painters can do when looking right up and seeing the individual dots and then zooming out and getting the big picture. Now, I found this, well, actually, this is what I have to use. Uh, I don't know if you can see it. Oh, there it is. Yes, there it is. It's uh, what Americans call a cell phone. And I tell you, it feels like a cell phone with this. Now, Europeans tend to call it a mobile phone. And let me see. Yes, the mobile phone. And, you know, one of the pleasures of the mo mobile phone is to pinch in and pinch out. Uh, and it's amazing what you can see in pictures. It's and yeah. uh, a lot of people here in Portugal say, Fantastico! <laughs> <laughs> because you can take a picture of, a, say, a sculpture or something, and you can pull your fingers apart or pull your fingers together, and you can see almost the in individual chips and that's what I have been trying to do, zoom in to Mark and then step back, zoom in and step back. And that is really what brings the Gospels to life. Uh, yeah. Now, one thing I noticed, and this is what I noticed fresh. Um, in, in our park, just uh, outside our house, there's, there's a booth with a Santa sleigh and lights and everything. And you put your child in the sleigh and then you take pictures and it's funny to watch what goes on. <laughs> they say, sometimes they say in English, sometimes they say, smile, smile, no, look this way, this way, no, not that way. And they're giving stage directions. Yes. And what I notice is there's quite a lot, a lot of that going on in Mark. And it made me think, I wonder if parts of Mark's gospel were actually stage plays that the community shared or enacted of what Jesus did. So uh, let me uh, illustrate that. You know, in chapter uh, three, we took we see the man's hand, and I've took, I put some notes somewhere to help remember uh, the man with the withered hand. And uh, just look with me, right? Yeah. And they watched Jesus to see whether they would heal him. Heal the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, come here. And then he asks a question to everybody around. And then he said, stretch out your hand. And then he stretched it out. Well, you know, there's a lot of repetition here that Mark is using to emphasize, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And they are, the Pharisees are looking to see if he actually stretches out his hand. Now, what is going on there? Well, 
I had my wife write out some Deuteronomy. That's the law. I remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So the whole scenario is a setup by the lawyers and the Pharisees to see if Jesus on the Sabbath would have this man with the withered hand stretch his hand out because that is right there in the book of the law. That's interesting, Dennis. It is. It is. And so the people there knew, as did the people who were asking the questions, that to stretch out the hand is what God had said do to obey the law because that's how God had acted and therefore they should respond in obedience. And so Jesus says to the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. There's a lot of compassion there. I wonder what was going through the man's ha hand and the heart and his mind, because he probably knew that the law had said that. Yes. And then, uh, you know, so that's one. Uh, another one is... Uh, in chapter 8, I'm flipping to where we haven't been or where we shouldn't go because it's not actually in what we're meant to be reading. And it's describing, uh, Jesus is describing that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, scribes, chief priests, and be killed. And he said this plainly. Now visualize this. This is stage direction. And Peter took Jesus and pulled him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter pulled him aside from the disciples who were walking along the road to the side of the road and began to rebuke Jesus. But turning and seeing his disciples, so then Jesus actually then turns away from Peter and looks to his disciples and says, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your minds on the things of God, but on the things of man. And then he goes up to talk about uh, taking up our cross and following him. Here's a graphic example of Jesus actually enacting something that he was wanting to say. And Mark puts that in. Now, I don't know how many repetitions of immediately and and that you counted uh, this week. Uh, I think there's at least 12 in the passages that we were looking at. And like I said, there's probably close to 40 to 45 immediately in Mark's gospel. And with all these repetitions, we begin to see and feel what Mark is trying to do. And he pulls us into this story with action after action after action, repetition, repetition. And then you begin to see this tension between the people who are being blessed and those who are saying, this is not good. This is not good. And uh, what can I say? Now, uh, Gail, this is a question, and uh, it'll be fun to watch your face. Have you ever considered running down the road naked? <laughs> Now, that is a rhetorical question, and I don't really want an answer. I hate to ask the question about myself. Uh, but it's a story that we have in Greek 
Greek history or whatever about a mathematician called Archimedes and he was in the bath one day and he realized that what he had done by getting in the bath had pushed the water level up and because of a he was a mathematician, <laughs> mathematician he realized that that was going to help him solve a problem and so his response was to jump out the bath and run down the road sh shouting I found it I found it <laughs> Uh, the word in Greek, I think, is Eureka. And if you look up Eureka in, say, the town in California, you'll realize it was Eureka was a center for the gold rush because huh. the king had asked Archimedes to prove that uh, his crown was solid gold and not a mixture of other metals. And so because he was a mathematician, he was able to do the math. But uh, I can't help you there. But the fact was he was so... Enthusiastic. He jumped straight out and ran down the road. I found it. Uh, he probably would have lost his head if he hadn't found the answer. But then Jesus tells stories like that, the lost coin, the woman searching everywhere to find the coin, and the lost sheep, going to find the lost sheep. And then we have this mistaken title, the prodigal son. Uh, Tim Keller says it's not the prodigal son, it's the prodigal God. And really the story is about the lost son and the joy at finding something that was lost. Uh, you know, I found it at last. Yeah. Now, uh, some of you uh, might be like me, uh, get excited and wake up in the middle of the night and have to write things down because your mind is racing. For other people, you're not quite that way. You're different. And I have mentioned Bob Dylan before, and... The album that most impressed me, or the song, was Something is Happening and You Don't Know What It Is, Do You, Mr. Jones? And middle-class people, especially those in the Christian community, who are mostly middle-class, we are the last ones to observe what is really going on in society. And Bob Dylan was noticing something in the 60s and 70s that he saw and wanted to make people aware of. Now, later on, I think it's in the 80s, he, he had another album. And it's called A Slow Train Coming. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that because you can almost feel the train going chug, 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 chug. It's a slow train coming. And so and so like that. <laughs> We're a slow train coming. And then gradually something happens and we click and begin to understand. And that is what Mark is all about. So if we were looking at chapter one, there is a statement, a fact, if you will, and then there's a response, and I've written these out. And this is how he does it. Uh, Behold, I send a messenger before your face who will prepare the way, da -dum, da -dum, da -dum. make his path straight. And then he flips and says, John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness. So what we're learning is that John the baptizer is actually the answer to the description that a messenger is going to come to prepare the way. Now, another fun thing there is I hope you noticed that it says John was clothed with camel's hair, grief, and had a leather girdle around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. Now, you think, what on earth has that got to do with the story? <laughs> uh, you know, you try eating locusts. <laughs> Maybe if you put them in the blender and added some honey, you could call it a souffle or something. 
but it's not something very appetizing to us so why is it there and then you realize that mark is referring to elijah the prophet and so although it says as it is written in isaiah the prophet or as americans say isaiah the prophet there is in fact several verses that he put together some are from malachi and some are from isaiah and then he describes elijah and so what we see is mark is giving this huge factual grounding that this is where john is coming from and he's actually the messenger and so i have baptized you with water says john but he will baptize you with the holy spirit and then he does the same thing in those days jesus came from nazareth of galilee and so then you realize that what john has described is then fulfilled in jesus and uh, then the the spirit drives him off da -dum, da -dum, and he's in the wilderness for 40 days da -dum, da -dum, and then the angels ministered to him and then he does the same thing now after john was arrested jesus came into galilee preaching the gospel so you have these little phrases that then kick off and 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 you are just taken into mark and his gospel with all these and immediately and little connections so uh whether you're someone like uh, archimedes who jumps out the bathtub and runs out the door saying i found it i found it or you're a slow train coming coming like bob dylan suggests that is what mark is really getting us to and i hope i can get to my end before we all get bored what is your end Sorry? <laughs> i don't see how you can get bored with mark telling you the truth so just thinking about this i remember one day Gail, you brought yourself one of those big telescopes. It wasn't sort of a small one, but it was a celestial one that you could look at the moon. Now, why on earth did you buy that? Well, actually, that was a gift, um, but, um, but I had wanted one, and uh, I, I did, you know, really want to see things that were far off a little closer up. So I zoomed in on the moon and saw the craters, and that was quite fun. And, um, you know, I saw like some of the stars quite bright, uh -huh. and um, and and they, they were fun. I, it, it was a fancy telescope. I still have it, but I never really did figure out how to connect it to the computer so that I could, you know, turn it to the right spot in the sky to see just the right constellation or whatever. But uh, it is quite fun to see those things a little closer than you can with your eye. What yeah, I, I've done, there, Dennis? Sorry, I can't quite hear that. Uh, what made you think of my telescope? Well, it's that whole uh, cell phone, mobile phone thing where you pinch it together or move it apart and you can see something magnified and that's what a telescope does. It helps you see something that you didn't notice at first. And uh, I was thinking about that because it's lovely to be able to go to a dark sky place. That's where there is no city lights or anything for miles and miles. And you suddenly see thousands and thousands of stuff, stars or whatever, out in the sky. And often a bright, a bright star, when you get a telescope, is 
not one star, but it's, it's a cluster of stars. And because those stars are together, well, they're probably millions of miles apart, but they're in the same direction. It, it looks brighter. The yes. cluster adds brightness. Not, not just one star, but several. Now, next week, um, after we've gone through some of these passages, uh, we come to a place where I really am up the chute or up a gum tree um, because I wondered why SU suddenly stops at chapter 3, I think it's verse 45. It's right where the story of Jesus and his family comes outside. And for me, that is this incredible story that makes the whole sense of Mark. And if you don't read those stories, that cluster of stars together, you don't really get the full force of Mark and how he's interacting and sharing what Jesus says to really understand something. Uh, so I'm going to ask for your indulgence because uh, sure. this is what happens, right? Jesus is talking to different people and... The scribes who come down from Jerusalem to check him out, saying, well, he is demon-possessed. They use the word Beelzebub. And that is so awful because they're calling him the devil when really he is the voice and the personhood of God. Mm. Now, if you look at that and you start looking for repetitions, you see that... Um, there are some repetitions of the word out and outside and around and around about and seated in a circle. Now, if you look at the original Greek, it doubles those sort of ideas. So this is what happens. His teaching in this area inside a house and then the people say, well, your mother and your brothers are where? They are outside. And a crowd was sitting around Jesus. So you've got this contrast between people outside and people inside round about him. And the more you look at it, the more you see that the ones on the outside aren't really believing Jesus. And you can imagine his family being real upset because they think he's totally out of his mind and crazy and they want to take him home and shut him up. They want to shut up Jesus. But then the people round about him are really eager to hear what he's got to say next. And so then the next verse, 31, and his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called him and a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? Now, here is the crucial bit. And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here is my mother and my brothers. And the Greek there really says, and looking around in a circle, round about him, 
he said, who are my mothers and my brothers? And so it's almost like this stage direction where Jesus had says, you know, get behind me, Satan, and physically does that to Peter. And here Jesus spins around and says, who is my mother and my brother? And looking around, he says, the people round about me are. And that's really where it will end next week. Yeah. Now that is very, very sad because it's like looking at, at one tiny star in this cluster. And we really need to see the cluster. And so as you go further, if you can sneak a peek, you've got to sort of get your fingers going and zoom back and look at the bigger picture and look at the different stories. Because what comes next? The parable of the soils. And then what comes after that? Well, everybody goes home saying, hey, nice sermon, vicar, nice sermon, preacher. Great one, minister. Oh, so interesting. What was it about? I can't remember, actually. Uh, that's often the response. But then the people who are interested, where are they? They're not going outside and away. They're going to be with Jesus and around him asking questions. And then Jesus says these awful, awful words. They are awful. To him who has, more will be given. But to him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And it's like, that's wrong, Jesus. That's unfair. That's not Christian. You should be wearing your mask. You shouldn't be wearing your mask because that's the Christian thing to do. What are you doing, Jesus? And they're sort of annoyed. But there is something going on there. You see, the people who are interested and are with Jesus and around him, they are learning. But the people who aren't interested and who are walking away, those are the people who it says the Herodians or the Pharisees and the scribes get together and talk amongst themselves and plan to kill him. Mm. So the people who are round about are the ones who are getting to know what Jesus really means. They're asking the deep questions, the problem questions to Jesus. They're not mumbling and grumbling outside to themselves. And then if you read those stories, I can't really go into them all, but it's so interesting to see that cluster, that constellation of stars, which then makes Mark's gospel come alive. And we see, and Jesus says this, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. And for everybody else, well, you look at the verses and see what it says. So I think therein lies the key to understanding Mark's gospel. And that is coming to be with Jesus and asking Jesus the questions. And even his mother and brothers are outside and saying he is possessed. Now, I find that quite difficult. Yeah. And I just have to ask myself, why? And then I realized that, you know, God loves us so much. And I guess the most, the thing that has impacted me most in this Mark series, Gail, is Jesus, God says to Jesus, 
You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Now, all of us carry pains, pains from childhood, pains from school, and they are deep. And often they become a wall from God getting to us and talking to us. It's sin. Now, sin can be personal sin, but in this case, it's sort of structural sin. It's how the culture and our community works against us. So we get hardened hearts. But that isn't what God wants. So I, I thought, wow, John's gospel is quite interesting. What's the first thing that John does? I mean, Jesus does in John's gospel. Well, there is the wonderful opening chapter. But then we have the story of the water into wine. And that just expresses who God is. He's not content to just give us a little bit of wine. He goes completely over the top and wants to pour out the wine. And a few chapters later, we have this story of the woman at the well. And Jesus says, can I have a drink? And she says, why are you asking for me a drink from me? You don't even have a bucket. And he says, well, I've got this water that's living water. And you would be amazed. And she says, well, you don't have a bucket. And Jesus says, bucket? With my water, you don't need bucket. You need pipes. Because it will be overflowing and coming to everyone. And that's exactly what happened. The woman is so excited that she goes and tells the people in her community. And then the whole community comes out. While the disciples are mumbling and grumbling and said, did you get anything to eat? And we saw you talking to a woman and, you know, you shouldn't be talking to a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman, blah, 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 blah. They should have been in the town saying, come and meet Jesus. But it took the woman and Jesus saying, buckets, you need pipes for my living water. And that's really what we see in Mark. God gives us facts as Mark gives us facts. He gives us the position of where people are as the stories unfold. But he wants us to see more than that. He wants us to see the feelings and understand his love. So Mark points to Jesus and Jesus points to the Father. And there we have in chapter one, those first few verses, we have the Father, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit, all working together in affirmation. And yet, the tension that the Spirit then drove him out into the wilderness to be tempted and consolidate his thoughts and his focus. And I'm excited about Christmas because we're all tied up with stables and mangers and ox and ass and camels. But there is more to it than that. It is receiving God's forgiveness being repentant and seeing healing in our lives, whether it's physical healing, like the man with the withered hand, or deep psychological and spiritual healing. And that's why I'm excited to read Mark. Excellent, Dennis. Um, your enthusiasm for, for Mark uh, comes through again. And I hope, uh, you know, I hope we can do what you've asked us to do this week. And, uh, just really dig in and notice the repetitions and find the threads and make our own crime scene <laughs> or the opposite of a crime scene. 
uh, chart and see see what's going on. So I think you've given us a lot of enthusiasm to uh, to bring us into our week and. Uh, I think I opened the fire hydrant and it's gushing water everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So now it's our turn. We gotta we gotta manage it. You've got to remember how Mark finishes. There's no men around. They all got vanished. It's only a few women, and they are afraid, and they said nothing to nobody, or they didn't say anything to anybody. And it's one of those Mark situations where he takes us to the cliff, and then it's a cliffhanger, and then we are the ones who then take the gospel like the woman at the well, she realized God wanted to bless and she couldn't wait to get back and tell her folks all about this man that she'd met. And with that, can you pray? I can, thank you, Dennis. Father, uh, we do thank you for, uh, for sometimes giving us even more than we can take in at one time and um, for the ways that you've, you've revealed to Dennis all the connections and all the the different nuances that, that tie your word together and that tell us who you are and what abundance you have for us. And I pray that as we study the community this week, that you will open uh, some of those um, revelations to us, that, that we will see you, we will see you at work, and we will hear in the narrative that, um, that Mark has provided uh, more about the God who's come to be with us as we uh, enter and go through this Advent season. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, thank you, Dennis. I I hope you get some sleep. Uh, and Claudia too, while she <laughs> is journeying with you and Mark and, and Luke. I guess you're preaching through these days too. So, but it's good to see you and um we'll look forward to having you back on, on this uh program soon. Who knows where we'll be with COVID. Yeah, who knows where you'll be next time. But stay safe and uh, pray for us as we, we go through the week. And blessings to all your readers. It's Thank been a pleasure. You. All right. Bye for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>